Nasty day, sir, Sergeant Royston said, as Inspector Carmichael slammed the car door. Carmichael didn't deign to reply. Royston put the car into gear and eased it out into the traffic of High Holborn. Supposed to be June, but it doesn't look like June, Carmichael grunted. At least we don't have to go right out into the country this time, sir, Royston offered. Carmichael stared straight forward as the police Bentley purred through the grey London streets. The hard edges of the buildings were dampened and softened with rain. Selling out, he thought, should mean selling out body and soul. You were supposed to get Helen of Troy when you sold your soul. You shouldn't have to go on afterwards doing the same things you used to do when your soul was still your own, dealing with reprimands for the car left on the meter and listening to Sergeant Royston talking platitudes. I said, at least we don't have to go right out into the country, Royston repeated, looking sideways at Carmichael as they stopped at a red light. Sir? The last thing Carmichael wanted was a conversation with Royston about the state of their souls. Hampstead, he said, letting his loathing of the place show in his voice. Hampstead's almost as bad as the country, or worse in some ways, full of people who have money and pretensions. Funny place for an actress to live, come to think, Royston said. No doubt, Carmichael agreed. Where would you expect an actress to live, Sergeant? Bloomsbury, Royston said promptly. Or Covent Garden, maybe. Somewhere central, anyway, and near the theatres. Amstead's more stockbroker country, like you said, pretentious. One of the villages London swallowed up, Carmichael said, as Royston turned into the Finchley Road. Once, Amstead would have been like those awful places we drove through down in Hampshire, deep in the country, miles from London. Children playing on the green, flowers in the hedgerows. In Dr. Johnson's day, parties of Londoners would ride out to Hampstead Heath for picnics. Now it's been swallowed. It's on the underground. I don't see why an actress shouldn't live there as well as anywhere else, if she's been doing well for herself. And getting herself blown up? Royston asked, turning into Bedford Drive, a tree-lined avenue of Victorian villas. That's another matter, Carmichael said. Royston slowed to a halt halfway down the street as they came to a police barrier. On one side stood a young Bobby in uniform. On the other were the massed ranks of the press, who would have been recognisable, even without their notebooks and cameras, by the unmistakable predatory cast of their features. Scotland Yard, Royston said to the Bobby, showing his card through the window. Inspector Carmichael and Sergeant Royston. They're expecting you, sir. Park here and come through. I can't raise the barrier, the Bobby said. Royston parked carefully at the side of the street, and as soon as they stepped out, the press began to photograph them. Was it terrorists? shouted a man in a beige raincoat, beginning a barrage of questions, impossible to distinguish individually. Carmichael stopped and held his hand up for silence. Royston scuttled through as they closed in on Carmichael. Same as in Wales, one last journalist trailed off, embarrassed. I don't know any more than you do. When I know anything, I'll come out and make a statement, Carmichael said. Oh, be a sport and give us a quote, 
a woman said, smiling at him under a dripping hat. You're the same Inspector Carmichael who solved the Thurkey murder, aren't you? asked a sharp-nosed man, half-leaning on a little red Austin. Yes, Carmichael said, scowling. Flashbulbs popped. When I have a statement to make, I'll see you're given it. Can you confirm that Miss Gilmore has been killed? the woman asked. The rest was lost in the clamour as they all began to shout again. Carmichael ducked around the barrier and joined Royston on the far side. It's number 35, the bobby said, indicating a set of steps leading up from the street through a grass bank to a garden gate. Go around the back. Carmichael followed Royston up the steps. The shouted questions of the press sounded almost like the baying of hounds. He wondered if he'd get any hunting in this year. A few days in Leicestershire in November, perhaps. There was nothing like the feeling of going hell for leather, forward across whatever territory lay before you, following wherever the fox led, with no idea of what you might be getting into.